0: A bad month or a bad year so far, but God's still good. Amen. And sometimes it's just a change in our perspective is all that's needed. Amen? Amen. I'm so thankful to be here tonight, so thankful with uh, all of you for what God is doing. Uh, It's good to see William and Krista uh, baptized and filled with the Holy Ghost on Sunday. Amen. We're excited about that. And also then it's good to have Sepe. She was baptized in Jesus' name, filled with the Holy Ghost. In Louisville, at the Louisville service, as was Archie's mother, Trudy. And so we're thankful for that. Amen. God is good. You can be seated. Amen. We are excited about what God's doing. And, uh, you know, there are some people, and I I mentioned this, Brother uh, Crowder says I'm apologizing for him. I'm not apologizing for him. Uh, I'm just making a statement. There are some people that it takes an evangelist or somebody like Brother Crowder uh, to, to help them through some things. Um, I'm not as pushy as Brother Crowder is. I know that's not, a, you know, a surprising statement for most of you, but I'm just not. Uh, but there are some people that uh, it just takes that extra oomph, and Brother Crowder is happy to give it. So uh, that's why we have him, and we will keep having him. And uh, I, I know there are some people that don't know how to take him, and uh, it is kind of hard to understand him sometimes, but guess what? God still moves, amen? And uh, we want God to have his way, and uh, sometimes we just have to uh, allow God to, to move, even if it's outside of what we're comfortable with, amen? I'm not always comfortable with what God does, and sometimes the way God does it makes me uncomfortable, but it's okay. Okay. Amen. And uh, I, I love God and I'm thankful for what he's doing. If you have your Bibles, you do have handouts tonight. Uh, some of the things you can follow along with tonight as well on the e-bulletin. There's an e-bulletin from uh, the on the app. You can do that if you want to as well. Um, but we're gonna we're gonna go through, we're gonna talk about fasting tonight. Uh, I had planned to do a whole series on the family, and I was going to do, and I still may do that, Uh, I probably won't do it until next year. Um, So this is what I did. I I was really wanting to do like 10 habits of highly healthy homes. Uh, That's what I was going to do, and I'm still going to do that, but I'm not going to do that probably until the beginning of the year. Um, Here's why I'm going to uh, wait, because I started noticing with the services, the midweek services that were going to be out, I wouldn't be able to finish all 10 habits this year. So I figured I need to go back to my list of things that I want to make sure that I teach on every year. And one of the things I haven't taught on this year is fasting. And so I'm gonna I'm gonna be teaching on some of the things that I really want to make sure that I cover. And some of you are gonna think, man, Pastor, you've taught on this before, and you know, you've been here for fifteen years and uh, you know, Pastor, I know you've you've been here 18 years, and you've taught on this probably 16 of the 18 years that you've been here, and I've been here for most of those, and so I've probably heard everything that you're going to say. Don't write me off. Don't check out yet. I may say something new tonight. You just never know, uh, but, but stick with me. Uh, over the next few months, as we go into the holiday season, we have a lot of uh, important things coming up in holiday season. You're going to find out more about that, one of which is we're going to be doing a special Christmas event where we're going to have multiple uh, events that will run the weekend before Christmas. We're going to have one here on Thursday, then we'll have one in Shepherdsville on Friday, and we'll have one in Valley Station on Saturday. These are not events where you are just, we're, we're hoping that, we do hope that your family is blessed, but it's not really about us. It's really about the opportunity for you to bring your friends, your family, your co-workers, and people to these events. We're going to have games, we're going to have songs, uh, we're going to have a, a, a short time of, of focused prayer for people. And uh, it's, we're, we're hoping that people will get introduced to us at that point, and also that they will feel the presence of God. And uh, so these events are going to be, you're going to find out more about these as we get closer. Uh, We are still working out the details. We have the dates, the times. We're working out the rest of the details of what all is going to be involved. Um, But these are going to be great opportunities for you, and we're going to have one of those on Thursday night. And that will be December the 19th. We'll be right here, and then uh, Shepherdsville on Friday, and then Valley Station on Saturday. So a lot of great things coming up. We're going to be having our Christmas dinner this year on a Thursday night. And uh, instead of Friday or Saturday, we're going to keep your weekend free. We're going to make that on Thursday night. We're going to have that in Louisville as well. And uh, so that's going to be December 5th. And I'm sure some of you have already seen it online. But let's get into tonight because I have a few things I'm going to share. We're going to do a short series before the year's out. And I'm going to cover a few more of the topics that I really need to cover every year. And uh, so that's kind of the plan. All right, First Timothy chapter four, verses seven and eight. But refuse profane and old wives' fables. And uh, some of you are worried; they're talking about you here. Uh, exercise thyself rather unto godliness. So I want you to notice this this phrase: "Exercise thyself rather unto godliness." So we're not supposed to uh, get into a lot of other stuff, but we are supposed to exercise ourselves unto Godliness. And then the next verse is one that you've heard a lot of fat people quote, and I'm sorry, I probably shouldn't say that, uh, uh, overweight people quote, uh, for bodily exercise profiteth little, but, and, and I don't want you to focus as much on that, I do want you to focus on this part, godliness is profitable unto all things Having promise of life, the life that, is, that now is and of that which is to come. Now, to just kind of quickly break these two verses down, it's saying there are some things that you should focus on and some things you shouldn't focus on so much. It's okay to focus on those things a little, but don't focus on them a lot. Okay? And, and then it says, what is profitable unto all things is godliness. So focus on being more godly. Focus on being more Christ-like. Don't focus on the things that are going to pass away. Don't focus on the things that are, you know, as great a shape your body in is in at the age of 20, at the age of 60. It might not matter. I'm not, some people say, oh, I've seen some really good in-shape 60-year-olds. Okay, no, no argument. But for most people, That awesome shape that they were in in their 20s is not that great shape that they're in in their 60s and 70s. And even if you are in great shape, you still know you ain't got it like you did when you were 20. Bodily exercise profits a little bit, but godliness is profitable unto all things because it doesn't just affect this life, it affects the life that is to come. And then Isaiah 58, 6 through 8 says, is this is not this the fast that I have chosen to loose the bands of wickedness, to undo heavy burdens, the heavy burdens, and to let the oppressed go free, and that ye break every yoke? Somebody say every yoke. Is it not to deal thy bread to the hungry, and that thou bring the poor that are cast out to thy house when thou seest the naked, that thou cover him, and that thou hide not thyself from thine own flesh? This is what's going to happen. When you are fasting and it's appropriate fasting, then shall thy light break forth as the morning and thine health shall spring forth speedily and thy righteousness shall go before thee. The glory of the Lord shall be thy reward. That's a good reward. Amen. Many many people don't like to talk about fasting. We don't talk about fasting very often. Um, It's one of those things that we know we should do. One of those things that we like to... Hey, you know, you you want to see something happen? Pray and fast. That's what we tell people, right? Just pray and fast about it. Uh, This is what a few people had to say about fasting, and I think these are, are very great quotes. I've included them for you. But Richard Foster said, more than any other discipline, fasting reveals the things that control us. This is a wonderful benefit to the true disciple who longs to be transformed in the image of Jesus Christ. We cover up what's inside of us with food and other things. They're going to get the the screens figured out. Don't worry about that. I'm not even worried about it. you got a paper in front of you, right? And you got an app on your phone, so you're good to go. But for those of you who are wondering, they're going to get it figured out. We cover up what's inside of us with food and other things. We mask it. Uh, Martin uh, Lloyd-Jones says, Fasting, if we truly... Uh, if we conceive of it truly, must not be confined to the question of food and drink, fasting should really be made to include abstinence from anything which is legitimate in and of itself for the sake of some special spiritual purpose. There are many bodily functions which are right and normal and perfectly legitimate, but which for uh, special peculiar reasons in certain circumstances should be controlled. That is fasting. Cornelius Plantinga, Jr. said self-indulgence is the enemy of gratitude and self-discipline usually its friend and generator. That's why gluttony is a deadly sin. The early uh, desert fathers believed that a person's appetites are linked. Full stomachs and jaded palates take the edge from our hunger and our thirst for righteousness. They spoil our appetite for God. Think about it. And then R.C. Sproul says, There are no quick and easy paths to spiritual maturity. The soul that seeks a deeper level of maturity must be prepared for a long, arduous task. If we seek the kingdom of God, we must abandon any formulae that promise instant spiritual gratification. Whew! That one's deep. You won't get what you can get from fasting just by going to a conference. You can't get what you could get by fasting just by listening to a, a specific preacher or hearing a specific message. Amen. All right. Looking back in our lives, I think we can uh, we can often find the benefits of those times when we turn toward God and we said, God, I want to be whatever you want me to be. And our, our desires turn that way, our Our appetite was turned that way and and our actions showed that. And I'm convinced that God allows us, to all of us, to go through certain trials that greatly benefit us. And they uh, drastically improve our own spirit. I believe He does. Do we like it at the time? Absolutely not. But this improvement occurs when we discover the things that God strips away from us. And then at the same time, He is adding things to our life. It's good when God takes things away and adds to our life. I'll have to admit to you shamefully that I realize for me personally, now I don't know about you, but for me personally, much of my own spiritual growth has occurred under great tension and pressure. It's like when I get to the end of my rope. When I finally say, okay, God, I did it my way and I don't know this is not working. It's in those moments of great disappointment and temptation and sometimes even pressure where doubt overwhelms me that something within my spirit says, I'm going to keep going. I believe that God knows what's best. I'm going to trust him. And, and so uh, I, I would say that like Genesis 41, 52 kind of it indicates to us, we cannot afford to waste our trials and our afflictions. Don't, don't, don't medicate through them. Don't sleep through them. Don't stay out of church through them. Come on, somebody. I believe this pattern uh, exists not just in the book of Acts, but it, all the way up to modern day. I love God. I mean, I love His Word. I love His church. And I love people who serve faithfully in the church, whether they're a minister, a servant, or, or even just a saint. I, 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 the fact of the matter is, I do love God. I do. I do but there's a great hesitation for me at times. And that hesitation comes when it's time to fully immerse myself in kingdom principles. To really be who God is calling me to be. I'm very aware of the great benefits that come from this type of living, but still, I don't do it. Can I just be honest with you? I I want to fast more than I do. I plan to fast more than I do. Anybody know what I'm talking about? There is a great blessing that comes in the buffeting. Paul said, I'm buffeted. (laughs) I'm dealing with this. I'm I'm having to deal with this unsettling in my flesh, this unsettling uh, in in what I'm going through right now. And what he was dealing with was this uh, major issue and, He couldn't get his flesh to always line up with what his spirit wanted to do. So if you feel that way, guess what? You're not alone. Even the bass felt that way. I would like to make a fasting suggestion. I know some people uh, that have done this and it has worked very well for them. I try to do this as much as possible. Uh, I'm not saying that I am the, the master at this. But I know people have chosen to fast one day a week. And every quarter they do a three-day fast, and then every year they do a seven-day fast. I don't know, uh, you know, this. I'm not saying that that's got to be the staple for everybody, but I do know that that kind of plan works well for people who really want to deepen their understanding of the things of God, and they want to bring spiritual growth into their life. So make a plan, even if it's not that plan, uh, before the night's over, I hope that you'll make a plan Uh, for the rest of this year, but then also going into next year of how am I going to fast? How am I going to fast? Um, You know, am I just going to fast whenever pastor calls a special fast for the church? Right? Because that's what we do a lot of times, like, well, you know, I believe in fasting, but my pastor, he hasn't called any fast lately, so I must be off the hook, y'all. Come on now. Y'all are smiling, but we know the truth. Somebody, somebody said, they said to me a couple years ago, it wasn't recent, I don't, think, I don't even know that they're here, that's not a knock on them, I'm just saying, somebody said to me a couple years ago, they said, pastor, oh, why haven't we fasted? We need to really fast. And I said, okay, I agree. And I said, so how's your fast going? And they said, well, you haven't called to fast. I have to call the fast for you to Fast. That's one of those things that's got to be a personal discipline of yours. And uh, so and, I, and again, I'm not saying that the church shouldn't have corporate times of fasting, and we do and we will. But I want you to plan your own personal times. I want you to build fasting into your life. I go to Because of the Times. Many of you know I've been going to Because of the Times for many years. I've been watching it uh, on videos that my parents would bring back since I was a little kid. I mean, they started having Because of the Times in 1983, and, and I was born in 1976, so yes, most of my growing up years, my teenage years, I was watching, I mean, they'd bring home Jeff Arnold, they'd bring home, uh, you know, Lee Stoneking, they'd bring home, you know, uh, Brother Tanny or somebody, and we'd watch those, those great preaching videos, and, and Because of the Times is awesome, it's a great... Uh, conference and it's focused mainly on revival and evangelism. It showcased some of the probably some of the greatest preaching uh, that the apostolic movement has had over the last thirty years. Um, but I, I would say one of the other things that they do is they have a bookstore, and I've spent a lot of money in their bookstore. Um, <laughs> I justify it to my wife because I tell her I say, "Honey, if I want to grow spiritually, it's going to cost time and it's going to cost money. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to invest." to make that happen. It's not just going to happen. I've got to invest. Well, one of the books that they recommended, and it's been a a great book for many years, uh, it was actually recommended in 1997. It was published in 1996. It's called Fasting for a Spiritual Breakthrough by Elmer Towns. And uh, this, this book and study guide, it helps you focus your fasting on specific needs and areas of your own personal life or the needs that others have in their lives, and I do want to highly recommend it to those of you who want to go deeper in God. So, I have put the link in the e-bulletin. Uh, it's also, the link is there on your paper. And uh, the name is Fasting for a Spiritual Breakthrough by Elmer Towns. Um, if you are thinking, hey, I want to pick a handful of books that will help me get closer to God next year, what's one of the books that I could read? This one this one, because it will encourage you and inspire you to fast, and it will give you the knowledge that you need uh, from the Bible to know how to fast intelligently, all right? Okay, I do believe that fasting has the potential to entirely change the whole outlook of your spiritual life, Uh, so that's why I want to encourage you to build it into your life. In addition, it will change how you walk through not just this life, but it will help you to focus on furthering the kingdom of God. It starts helping you bring things into perspective of what's important and what's not important. You know, that's why, uh, you know, we can have some awesome things happen in this church. And, you know, there's some people that they're just like, yes, this is awesome. We're just, we're so excited. And other people are like, eh, no big deal. Like people's eternities are changed Forever. You know, we had somebody in here Sunday that said, I will never speak in tongues. Not that they didn't think they could. They didn't want to speak in tongues. And they spoke in tongues. They received the Holy Ghost. They were baptized in Jesus' name. Now they're bound for a different place. That's something to be excited about. (laughs) Amen. But our excitement for this, it ebbs and flows with how hungry we are for the things of God. If we're kind of full of other stuff, if we've had enough of the world, then we're just kind of like, ah, that's nice. I remember when that happened to me. That's pretty cool. (laughs) A hunger for God is the single most important thing that we can have. Our hunger for God dictates the depth of our relationship with Him. I'm going to say that one more time. Our hunger for God dictates the depth of our relationship with Him. The more hunger that is manifested for him, the greater the discipleship, the greater the spiritual growth. We were talking about this the other day. How can we get people connected? How can we help people grow? How can we make sure that people are really understanding what the Bible says, what it means for their life and how to apply it to their life? And we're, we're just like, and, and then I just, I, I said, you know, the thing is, if they're not really hungry for it, it won't happen. It wasn't a brilliant statement, but it's so true. We have got to have a hunger for God if we're really going to grow the less hunger we have for God will mark our lives and we'll become caught up with the lesser gods of this life. We must thank God for the desire that He places in our heart for Him. And I'm certain that you have the same desire uh, that I do, that you want to become everything that God wants you to be. I don't know about you, but I really can't afford... At this stage of my life, I I, I know some of you are whatever. I'm younger, I'm older, whatever. I can't afford at this stage of my life, I realize where I'm at, and I can't afford for my life to be filled up to the brim with things that really don't matter. I don't have time. You know, I I just don't have time. And And I'm not saying that to be condemning of anybody else. I'm just saying I've got to have more of Him. And so through fasting, we can allow the things of this world to be replaced by the treasures of the kingdom. And that's our goal, that's our focus. Um, John Piper wrote in his book, A Hunger for God. Uh, and, and again, this is not, uh, I, I just like this, this portion of the book. I, don't, I, I agree with a lot of the stuff in the book, but not everything. I will say, though, I do really agree with this statement. I think it nails some things right on the head. So let me read it to you. He says, one might think that those who feast most often on communion with God are the least hungry. They turn often from the innocent pleasures of the world to linger more directly in the presence of God through the revelation of His Word. And there they eat the bread of heaven and drink the living water by meditation and faith. But paradoxically, it is not so that they are the least hungry saints. The opposite is actually the case. The strongest, most mature Christians I have ever met are the hungriest for God. It might seem that those who eat the most of the things of God Would be the least hungry, but that's not the way it works with the inexhaustible fountain and infinite feast of a glorious Lord. The more deeply you walk with Christ, the hungrier you get for Christ. The more homesick you get for heaven, the more you want all the fullness of God, the more you want to be done with sin, the more you want the bridegroom to come again, the more you want the church revived and purified with the beauty of Jesus, the more you want a great awakening to God's reality in the cities, the more you want to see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ penetrate the darkness of all the unreached peoples of the world, the more you want to see false worldviews yield to the force of truth, the more you want to see pain relieved and tears wiped away and death destroyed, the more you long for every wrong to be made right and the justice and grace of God to fill the earth like the waters covers the sea. If you don't feel strong desires, he says, for the manifestation of the glory of God... It is not because you have drunk deeply and are satisfied. It is because you have nibbled so long at the table of the world. Your soul is stuffed with small things and there is no room for great. God did not create you for this. There is an appetite for God and it can be awakened. And he says, I invite you to turn away from the dulling effects of food and the dangers of idolatry and to say, uh, with some simple fast, this much, oh God, I want you. I want you. I don't want other things. I don't need other things. I, I want you. I need you. I've got to have you in my life. And the more we have of God in our life, the more we realize we need of God in our life. Amen. There's no, there's no end uh, to the supply of God's grace and His favor and His abundant mercy. There's, there's no end. I mean, you can study the Bible and know it front and back. And, 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 and some people would say, oh, you know the Bible so well. And I'm, and I'm thinking to myself, you know, there's some days I don't know that I know anything about the Bible. Because the deeper you get and the further you get in the things of God, the more you realize there is so much I will never understand. There's so much I will never know. God is so big. There's my concept of him uh, needs to be expanded to see his greatness. So let me ask you this. Why don't we fast? Why don't we fast? Well, because it requires me to give up food. Richard Foster has written several books on the spiritual disciplines while his thoughts In his books don't necessarily focus entirely on fasting. He does cover the subject. And over the course of the last 30 years, he has awakened a desire in people to fast. He stated publicly, he said, there's not been a major book on fasting written in the last 100 years. And then he submitted uh, for what he thought the reason might be for that. And he said, the American church has fallen into the trap of feel-good religion and we do not want to be bothered with the high demand of cross-bearing and the imposition of greater commitment. Think about that. We, we, we want to feel good. We want to know we're heaven-bound. We want to have $3 worth of God, please. On the other hand, he, he said, uh, you know, self-denial... And hunger has been replaced with reliance on programs, activism, and other splashy and far inferior substitutes. On the other hand, he submitted that another reason we do not fast is because of the abuse of earlier generations and taking it too far legalistically. Frankly, the vast majority of those in the church who do not fast have never been exposed to the absolute blessings and benefits that come from this practice. Fasting will also literally force us to become aware of our own inadequacies and our own frailties. And in this very action of fasting, it's when we are in the middle of the fasting, we more fully see the grace and the power of God to accomplish His tasks in the world. Amen. Another great challenge to fasting is because we have rarely seen it modeled by those around us. When was the last sermon or Bible study that you heard devoted to the hard subject or exhortation of fasting? That's why I'm doing this one. If we're honest, we must admit that we rarely hear about fasting, whether in corporate worship or casual conversation, even with other believers. How many, what was the last time you said, you know, I was fasting in the day and God gave me this? Like, Never. I mean, I'm, I'm the pastor and I might have heard that once this year. That's, that's what I'm saying. I'm saying we need, to, we need to refocus here. We need to reset our, our spiritual priorities. And so one also finds that most do not fast because there's little understanding and a lack of modern awareness about fasting. Just being transparent here, I will willingly, I'm going to, some of you aren't going to like this, but I will willingly concede that there are some inherent spiritual dangers associated with fasting. And some of you are thinking, what in the world? First of all and foremost, I believe that there are those who would use fasting as an attempt to try to get God to simply do what they want. We, we must always remember God is totally sovereign in His actions. We fast to move us in a, into a greater position with God. We're not trying to twist God's arm into doing something. We want our thinking to line up with His about everything in our lives. That's the goal. It's not our goal to say, Okay, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see if I can get you to do this for me. Or I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fast until you make this happen. No. If you're fasting for that, you're going to be disappointed. You're going to think fasting doesn't work. Because most time, He won't do just what you want Him to do. Even if he does, it won't be in the way you wanted him to do it. And if he does do it in the way you wanted him to do it, he probably won't do it in the time you thought he would do it in. The second danger, the spiritual danger that I see with fasting is is not really as much spiritual as it is physical. Uh, I believe, and I'm going to say this, fasting needs to be done responsibly. Um, I was neighbor to a, a guy in Bible school who was on a like a 30 to 40 day fast. I can't remember the exact number, but, and I think I've told you this before. He fasted, and then when he broke his fast, his first meal was Taco Bell. He went to the hospital. Can, can you say dumb? Somebody was not using any wisdom there. That was not of God. You, you've got to use wisdom in fasting, and so uh I would say I do believe in God's power to heal, but I also want to just kind of maybe put this out there that I am continued uh, continually awed by the the ability uh that God has given to men to to doctors and, and nutritionists and people like this, that there is wisdom, the wisdom that men have nowadays that facilitate health and healing, okay? And I'm, again, I'm not saying that uh, they have all the answers and go to the nutritionists and put them above God. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying right now, if you haven't heard or read anything about it, they're talking about, there, there's a lot of discussion out there. People who have no intention of serving God whatsoever uh, they are talking about how powerful fasting is. How good it is for the human body. And they talk about how they do intermittent fasting and how it cleanses the body and keeps the body uh, without all the extra toxins that we like to load up with. Now, again, again, don't <laughs> misunderstand. I'm not saying, uh, okay, everybody, we're going to do this uh, health fasting. I'm, I'm not saying that. There are benefits is all I'm trying to say. And secondly, I would say... Uh, I want to go on record, I'm being recorded, so I want to go on record that I do not recommend anybody who is a diabetic or has severe heart disease, extreme blood pressure problems, expectant mothers, or have major health difficulties to become involved in long periods of fasting. Is that okay? Can I say that without you flipping out? Well, God will take care of them. No. No. You just need to use wisdom, okay? I said in long periods of fasting. I'm not saying that they can't fast a meal or they can't do something here or there. And and I realize with saying that, I open myself up to all sorts of criticism. Uh, However, I am unwilling to recommend fasting, strict fasting, three-day, seven-day fasting with nothing but water for everyone. I just can't do it. Um, You can call me unspiritual if you want but I care about you, and I don't want to see you in the hospital. So, the spirit of fasting, however, can be taken up in other areas of life for those of you who would fall into those categories. There are many other things that you can sacrifice to hear from God if you have physical issues that keep you from fasting for long periods of time, uh, fasting food, that is, all right? And I'm, I'm not going to get in all that tonight, but I, I will just say, you can fast something. What, what is it that Fasting would be a sacrifice for you, but you would still have the nutrition that you need to get through the day or or whatever it is. So that's why we don't fast. Why do we fast? Why fast? The question arises, why fast? Well, besides its health benefits, because of the perilous times that surround the church in our society, increasingly the church is finding herself at odds with the political systems of the day. Another reason is because the church needs a divine empowerment, as it has never needed it before. And great revival requires great anointing. We cannot just have patty cake church. I know that was brother that's brother uh, Crowder saying This is not some patty cake baker's man. This we we cannot just have patty cake church. Just come in, oh that's good, and you know people come in and they're like, this church is just like any other church. I don't want this church to ever get to the place where people come in and they can come in four, five, six weeks and they think it's just like any other church. By the second or third time they're here, they ought to be like, whoa, what was that? Why did that guy do that? Why is she speaking like that? Anybody know what I'm talking about? There ought to be some sort of demonstration of apostolic anointing. There ought to be a move of the Spirit that prompts just the same thing that happened on the day of Pentecost when they said, What's all this about? Amen. They gotta there's gotta be somebody that says, Hey, I wanna be in tune with God so that my worship and and my my uh my my praise and everything that I do in the worship it creates an atmosphere for God to be welcome here and then God meets us here in a powerful way. And and when God meets us here, things start to happen. Amen. We we used to have a lady, uh Jeremy Christie, you'll know who I'm talking about, so my in-laws in my wife, but we used to have this lady that every time in our church in Louisville, that every time stuff would get going, whoo! It just start doing that real loud, and and uh, my my wife's cousin, he used to say that she would start acting like an Indian because then she would do some stuff with her mouth, and it and it was, I mean, but that's just how she got blessed. And, and I've been in another church where. One lady, if she got really excited and the Holy Ghost started moving, she'd start shuffling down and she'd just move around. You know, you know who I'm talking about, Sister uh, Davenport. You know exactly who I'm talking about in the in the church down south of us. Get out there, man! uh, Just just shuffle around. I was in one church. There's one church I was in, and, and something happened. This guy just he just started rounding the corner, and he he turned so fast he slammed into the wall. And it wasn't like a, just a you know brush. He slammed into the wall so hard you could hear him hit the wall. Anybody ever heard something like that? Seen something like that? People say, oh, that's crazy. That's wild. Being in service with somebody, you know, brand new guest, you know, you used to think, oh, I hope Sister So-and-So doesn't start speaking in tongues real loud today because you know, we're sitting right in front of her. They might not understand. But there comes a time where the power of God's moving, we, you know, it, it doesn't matter how people are responding. I'm thankful anymore for just people responding. Because we've gotten to the place where the people think it's not cool to even respond. And they just sit there and wait and watch, watch everybody else. No, if the Holy Ghost is moving, we want people to respond. But the only way that people feel free to respond is if they've had a time with God that week. And they're in tune with God and they're feeling His presence. If you've waited all week and you've feasted on the things of the world, when you come into the house of God, you're not going to feel like responding. Well, it's true. I mean, it may not be what we want to hear, but it's true. We get so full of our favorite TV shows and sports and hobbies and all this stuff that we do, but... Did we spend time with God? Did we get alone with Him during the week? Because if we did, amen, we're going to have a divine appointment when we get here. We're going to have divine empowerment. Uh, The next reason is because of our own personal needs, particularly in a devotion to God and overcoming disobedience and carnality. We have personal needs. And some of us, if we allow our flesh to run us, we're going to be in trouble. We're going to be in big trouble. And some of us have to overcome disobedience. Well, I'm just going to leave that there. Because that could take a little while. Isaiah 58, 6, because the world in general... And the church in particular are crying out for people of character and integrity. And such traits can be fostered with fasting as it assists us in overcoming the pull of this world and carnality. People are looking for what you have. And if we're not in tune with God, they may never know. Well, I came to church, Pastor. Yes, but who did you affect this week with your life? Who looked at you and said, whoa, there's something different about you? If we're not affecting people outside of these four walls, we're in trouble. We're not really being the church that we were meant to be. We're definitely not the church of the book of Acts. So we've got to uh, realize the church, the world is looking for people that will be in tune with God and get away from the pull of the world and our carnality. Uh, the next one is 2 Corinthians 8, 2-4. to Because we have allowed the American dream... To overwhelm our spiritual lives with distractions and the pursuit of many things instead of one thing. We've allowed the American dream. Well, I need to have this, and I've got to have this, and I've got to keep up with the Joneses over here. And Because I've got to have that, that means I've got to work extra hours, and then I've got to do this, and I must have this toy, and that, if that's not in my house, and then I... Oh, Pastor... Don't be so hard on us. Everybody's entitled to the American dream. Well, okay. At the cost of your soul, what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world? You can have the American dream, the Nigerian dream, the Mexican dream, have whatever dreams you want. But if you lose your soul in the process, it doesn't really amount to anything. Fasting is not specifically mentioned in 2 Corinthians 8.4, but it is talking about giving sacrificially of all that we have. We've, we can't hold on to stuff so tightly that we're not willing to allow God to speak into our lives. And we, we have that when we have fasting. You will never hear God more clearly than whenever you're, you're hungry. You do a three-day fast that first day, it'll just about kill you. The second day... It's kind of hard, you're hungry, but uh, you, know, you, start really, you start really getting into that, that space where you hear from God clearly. And by the third day, food isn't really the problem. You, you don't have as much strength because you haven't eaten, but you are so clear on what God is speaking into your life. Pastor, I don't think I can do that. I'm not saying that everybody should, but I am saying that we, we should do what we can. Because, and this is Isaiah 58, 8, because we need the will of God to manifest itself in our lives, much of the decisions that we make with our lives have been affected by self-help principles and talk show hosts who are biblically illiterate and yet serve as great advisors to an often unsuspecting world. We must operate according to the principles established by the word of God for his will in our lives. How many, of you, how many times have you had somebody, we, you know, the scripture, we want the light to break forth. The light breaks forth in our life. We get the illumination that we need when we fast. But how many times have you heard somebody quote something that Dr. Phil or Oprah or somebody, and I'm like, are you kidding me right now? You're going to make your, this life decision based on that? And some of it is, oh, let me just be honest with you. Sometimes Christians will quote lines to me, and they are not even, they're not even biblical lines. And they're like, well, I just feel like this is the best for my life right now, and this is what I need to do. And I'm like, what does the Bible say? What does the Bible say about that? I mean, if the Bible isn't in agreement with that you know, nice little catchphrase that you're using, then catchphrase is wrong. Anywho. Daniel 1, 5-16, because our physical bodies could benefit from the, the poor nutritional habits, we have an abundance of food and medical care, but we are not necessarily more healthy than people who have learned the, the art of fasting. Our physical bodies could benefit from some of these things that we think, oh, that's, we, we have to have food. No, we don't have to have as much food as we think we have to have. I know, I know I could, uh, Santa, not have as much food, right? But the problem is, I love food. You know, I would be skinny if I didn't love food so much. My grandfather, he told me one time, he said, he said a lot of people, they, they live to eat. He said, I'm just eating to live, up in his later years. And some of you may, may, you may understand that. Some people say, well, I just got to eat to live, you know, it's no big deal. Then there are other people, we we try to search out the best food in the world. We are looking for the tastiest morsels to stick into our mouths because life's too short to eat a bad meal. (laughs) But either way, we've got to learn how to fast. We've got to learn how to push the plate back. All right, 2 Corinthians 10, 4 and 5, I'm just about done. Because fasting helps us fight two wars. It helps the saint to overcome the world within and the one without. The one within is the battle with the self, and the battle without is the one with Satan. When we fast, we're not doing so as other religions of the world. The difference is that much of their fasting, Muslims, Hindus, they they focus inwardly on self, while The fasting of a saint, we're we're trying to get the mind of God. We want his mind. We want his perspective. So it's directed entirely toward God. Let's talk about Jesus and fasting. It's very striking the ministry of Jesus began with a time of fasting. And this example can be understood in its fullness. We have to replicate this in our lives if we're really going to get what Jesus was saying. If the Son of God submitted to the process of fasting and then confronted the devil we certainly could understand that this was a key factor in Jesus overcoming the devil, right? First he fasted, then he overcame the devil, right? It should be simple enough, but... Let's go a little further. The Bible indicates to us, Matthew 4, 1 to 11, Jesus was driven into the wilderness for a time of testing. It was while he was in the wilderness being tested that he participated in the 40-day fast. Upon the approach of the devil in the in the wilderness, the Lord reached back into the Old Testament to confront the devil with the temptations, he responded with this, Deuteronomy 8.3, and he humbled thee and suffered thee to hunger and fed thee with manna, which thou knewest not, neither did thy fathers know that he might make thee know that man doth not live by bread only, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord doth man live. We don't live by bread only, so, so look at what he says, Deuteronomy 6.16, ye shall not tempt the Lord your God as ye tempted him in Massah. And then Deuteronomy 6.13, he also uses this one, Thou shalt fear the Lord thy God, and serve him, and shalt swear by his name. So he pulls those from the Old Testament when he is being uh, basically confronted by the devil in the wilderness. And there's a significant comparison that bears following through with the Lord's temptation in the wilderness. We've got to understand this. One could look at this and understand that the scriptures that the Lord quoted were also retrieved from a time that the children of Israel were in the wilderness, correct? That makes sense, right? So, Jesus in the wilderness being confronted by the devil, he quotes from the children of Israel in the wilderness. Look at what he says, Deuteronomy 8, 2 and 3. And thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee these 40 years in the wilderness, as Jesus Notice here, as Jesus was led into the wilderness by the Spirit, they were also being led by God. Correct? In the wilderness? I'm not making things up. Are you all still with me? Okay. So he says, to humble thee and to prove thee. This is what Jesus was in the wilderness for, to be tested and proved or proved to know what was in thine heart, whether thou wouldest keep his commandments or no. And he humbled thee and suffered thee to hunger, as Jesus was made hungry by his own fasting. And fed thee with manna, which thou knewest not, neither did thy fathers know, that he might make thee know, that man doth not live by bread only, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord doth man live. Just as Jesus says to Satan. Now, You could say, well, that's weird. Yeah, there are many similarities that come from this passage in both areas of the wilderness. In theological terms, we would refer to this kind of happening as types and shadows. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Types and shadows. Okay, so types and shadows. A a type and a shadow is where an Old Testament form or example is used to foreshadow or to predict a New Testament concept. That's what we... When I say types and shadows, something in the Old Testament happened that is similar or, or predicts something that is going to be a concept in the New Testament. A temptation, the temptation here of the Lord was not just some, some chance, happenstance battle with the devil. It was a calculated decision and it showed the identification of Jesus Christ with the people of God in their deprivation and trial in the wilderness. guess what? Y'all don't even know where I'm going yet, do you? What happens when you are in your wilderness? Just as Jesus was tempted in the wilderness, you will be tempted in your wilderness. Just as they had to know that man does not live by bread alone in their wilderness, and Jesus quotes that in His wilderness, you are going to need to know, you cannot live by bread alone. You can't just make it just by food. Fasting will ultimately test where the heart is. When fasting reveals that the heart is with God and not with the lesser things of this world, it prepares us for ministry. This is not just pulpit ministry, but all forms of serving the body of Christ. Satan comes to an understanding that the love of the heart is not for the earthly bread, but for the heavenly purpose that God has placed upon you. The hard lesson in this is that we must hunger for the will of God more than the wonders of God. We have to hunger for the will of God more than we hunger for the wonders of God. When we understand the importance of fasting, we'll see that it allows us to draw closer to God. We live in a world that tells us there's no need for self-denial. It strongly pushes the hamster ball of self-indulgence. And I say hamster ball because you really don't ever get anywhere. Just keep... It's like a cycle you give it you give into it and then you want more you give into it you want more you give into it you want more it just never ends it's it's a it's a horrible cycle but spiritual formation and transformation is further strengthened when we involve ourselves in the ancient practice of fasting fasting and I'm closing with this accomplishes the following things it will strengthen prayer It will strengthen prayer. Arthur Wallace writes in God's chosen fasting, giving us the privilege of fasting as well as praying. God has added a powerful weapon to our spiritual armory. In her folly and ignorance, the church has largely looked upon it as obsolete. She has thrown it uh, down in some dark corner to rust, and there it has lain forgotten for centuries. An hour of impending crisis for the church, and the world demands its recovery. Wow, would you think about that? This discarded weapon that we have of fasting, it needs to be picked back up by the church. Amen. The next one, it assists us in seeking God's guidance. It assists us in seeking God's guidance. The next one, it sometimes can be an expression of grief. Fasting can be an expression of grief. Some people say, I don't know. I don't know, but you will when you have grief. When you're fasting and you, you know, you don't know what to do. And so you're fasting and you say, God, I, I, I don't know what to do. I'm here. Here I am. Just move me forward wherever you want me to go. It helps to gain deliverance and protection. Deliverance or protection. It helps to gain deliverance or protection. One may fast to express repentance and the return to God. Jonah chapter 3, they repented when the whole city said, you know what, nobody's going nobody's gonna to eat, not even the animals. Kids aren't going to eat, animals aren't going to eat, nobody's eating. We got to fast. It's crazy when the world knows how to get a hold of God more than the church does. Jonah's over here like, seriously, God? I knew you were going to do this, has a bad attitude, and the world's like, we just want to to say we're sorry. Anywho, I'll let you think about that. That's a whole other message in and of itself, but it is used to humble ourselves before God. It is used to humble ourselves before God, and it is used to express concern and facilitate the work of the kingdom of God. It is used to express concern and facilitate the work of the kingdom of God. Amen. I want to encourage you, if you are not fasting, if you have not been fasting, try to make it. If you can't do a day a week, try to do uh, something for a day a week. If you can't do food for a day, try to do something for a day a week. If you uh, can't do something, uh, do food for one meal, you know, or fast from sun up to sundown, or, or whatever, whatever you can do, find a, find a way to, to every week make fasting a part of your weekly plan. Um, you say, well, I don't know if I can do it every week. Okay, uh, start with at least once a month. Do a day or two a month. Um, but, but put it on your calendar. And, and here's what's going to happen. You are going to have a day where you're going to forget. As you are eating your chicken biscuit for breakfast, you're going to be like, that's right, Brother Hicks, I'm looking at you. You're going to be like, oh, I was supposed to fast today. Today was my fast day. I'm going to have to call pastor and apologize. No, you don't have to do that. This is all I want you to do. Just do it the next day. Well, I can't do it the next day because then do it the following day. Just don't, don't beat yourself up. Just make sure you do it. It's, it's kind of like, you know, when you are cutting your grass during the summer, right? Sometimes it rains and you can't get to the grass that day. Sometimes you got too much going on that day and you don't get around to it. But guess what? If you keep cutting it every time you get the chance, it'll keep growing. It'll keep being what it's supposed to be. But if you don't pay any attention to it, you will have jamanji in your front yard. Right? You don't want a spiritual life that looks like a jungle. So just stay on it. It's a discipline. It's not something that you like to do. I don't know anybody that likes to go out and uh, do hard things like cutting the grass in the heat and all that kind of stuff. It's one of those things that Christians we, we don't we don't really like it, but it's necessary. Amen? All right. Well, it's eight oh four, let's stand.